Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Lads, I'm not going to lie. I haven't got my breath back. I don't anticipate getting my breath back over the next 60 minutes. Wow. Cork are in the All-Ireland Final for the first time since 2013. They've beaten Kilkenny by five points after extra time. It was thrilling. Absolutely thrilling. There's a lot to discuss. Oshin Langham was there in Croke Park for us today. We're going to talk to him. He's going to get post-match reaction from the Royals camp for us. And we have Cork legend Shawnee McGrath waiting on the line for us. We'll talk to him in the next couple of seconds. I'm not actually joking about having to get my breath back, lads. I'll talk to you in a sec. It was absolutely incredible, incredible stuff up in Croke Park. This is how Oshin Langan called it at full time. We've got 15 seconds of the two minutes allotted injury time left. It's Cork by five. Kilkenny have a 65. Surely they've got too much to do. Old Murphy drops it inside the square. It goes loose. It's rolling towards the end line. Collins gets to it, trips up, but has time to regather himself and roll it out to Tim O'Mahony. Tim O'Mahony gets a call under his feet. He now has it in hand. The two minutes of injury time are gone. Tim O'Mahony gets his hand pass away. It's brilliantly taken by Connolly. Ball on stick, driving down the line. Connolly has a shot from just outside the 45. I don't think it matters too much if it goes wide, which it does. Oh, absolutely magnificent stuff there from Oshin Langan at full time. Magnificent stuff from Cork. It's just absolutely brilliant, lads. Into the All-Ireland Final for the first time since 2013. A man who knows all about All-Ireland Finals is Cork legend Shawnee McGrath, who joins me on the line now. And Shawnee, have have you got your breath back yet? Oh yeah, it is unreal, Rory. Um, I suppose the Adrian Mullen goal was a bit of a sickener, but um, I always had a sense myself that going into extra time, like Cork had the legs in them. Um, I thought in the second half much much stronger, just because maybe Kilkenny had a bit, bit of momentum going into that extra time. Um, I still had a feeling that the fitness levels and the youth that Cork had on their side they were just hurling better, but still you had to get over the line. You still had to do the damage and put the scores on the board. And I thought Cork were magnificent today, in fairness, and just for a small lapse of concentration in the end. Outside of that, I thought they performed exceptionally throughout the whole 70 minutes plus extra time, to be honest. Shawnee, for the heads not to drop uh, going into extra time after conceding that last second goal, says a lot about Cork's resolve and their desire. Yeah, it does. And just, I suppose, the whole you know emphasis from Karen Kingston all year has been about maybe recovering from knocks and you know showing strength of character coming down the stretch. And they showed that against, definitely against Clare and maybe at times against Dublin when they brought it back to four points. But again, today, 
Um, no, look, having said that, I think Kieran would have been desperately disappointed with how casual they were in those last three or four minutes. Um, you know, we had a chance to go four up and then, you know, for the, the, the 65 that came in to be clearing our lines and then to be, you know, just, as I said, a lapse in concentration to allow the goal chance to be created would have been disappointing for Kieran. But outside of that, everything he wanted from the team, I think he got absolutely, you know, tigerish in the tackle, superb in the air. We've really improved our aerial ability. And just as you said, your, the composure and the confidence in the end to see it out was absolutely brilliant. And um, it'll be a great final, really looking forward to it now. Had Cork not won that game, I think Tim O'Mahony would have caught a lot of flack for what happened just uh, before the concession of the goal. But an extra time, he was in superb. I think I counted six balls he caught in the air. He was amazing. He was. Um, and just I thought the half-back line in general um, were superb aerially. Um, like on Murphy, I think Cork forced him to go along because they didn't allow too many sharp puckouts. I think Cork knew they had that in their armory all day, even going into the game. I think they were looking for, for Kilkenny and for Murphy to go along. I mean, and as you said, Rory, like Tim O'Mahony, apart from that, was absolutely outstanding. Mm. His distribution, his um, ability to look up and to find the man in the best position. Overall, Cork have done that superbly all year, and particularly today, their ability to, to, to stay calm and composed under pressure and then put the ball into the best space to the best man in the best position um, was exemplary all day and Tim you know personified that he was absolutely outstanding and the little cameo in the end out, outside of that um, for me he was a candidate for man of the match I thought he was absolutely brilliant um, The big talking point before the game was Kieran Kingston putting his son Shane on the bench Shane was sprung after 42 minutes and he was chomping at the bit I think he got 6 points overall he was just incredible when he brought it on and he changed the game for Cork Oh, without a doubt. He actually, yeah, exactly. Himself and Alan Callaghan changed the game. Um, they ran at Kilkenny. And look, Kilkenny, like all teams, any defence doesn't like to be run at and they've got great uh, pace, a turn of pace. They can go from zero to 60, you know, split second and they just have that ability then to finish at the end of their solo runs. Um, and I think, look, Shane would have had confidence throughout the year or would have gotten, um, would have been by by his performances even though, look, his level did slip off a bit. He was still on a goal of the game and he got some Brilliant goals throughout the, the campaign. His probably levels did slip off a little bit. I wasn't terribly surprised to see Kieran drop him, but definitely he was chomping at the base and he showed great grit and determination, appetite when he came on. And I think he finished maybe, what was it, six or seven even mm. from play, which was absolutely out, outstanding. And definitely him and Alan Carrigan made, made huge contributions when they came on. And in fairness, to go back, even Owen Carrigan as well, all the lads that came on, Damien Callan, I thought they all contributed immensely to the, to the victory. Yeah, superb stuff indeed. And Jack O'Connor's goal just in the start of the second half, extra time, going to really seal the game. A, a, a cracking finish from him. Yeah, and I suppose what was almost more pleasing for me, I suppose, looking at a forward, you know, he was in and out of the game a little bit at stretches, but to stay calm, composed, and, you know, to play your way into the game, he got two magnificent points in the second half. Um, and he's shown that all year, you know, when he went for that goal, but you know, he was very unlucky in the first, first, the second half of the um the main 70 minutes, I suppose, mm-hmm. when he hit the post, but other players would have tipped it over. I think Jack has shown that he showed it against Clare in the earlier round when he cut in and finished off his right. This time, it was a brilliant finish off his left. Um, and it's been commented on by many pundits throughout the year that Cork are going more for the juggler now, and Jack showed that um, ability to cut in and finish, and it gave us the cushion that we needed. I think it might have been level at the time and put us a, a clear three points ahead. Um, and for him and for his club and everything, you know, his family and everything else, it was a fantastic one-three return from a really exciting prospect. What more can be said about your clubmate Patrick Horgan that hasn't been said already? I mean, like he's just incredible. Ah, uh, yeah, like I suppose um, <laughs> it's easy to like you know we he was down the field the other night. We were training below on whatever night we were Thursday night and uh, Wednesday night maybe, and um, he was just like one of the lads. He just takes it in the stride, <laughs> just looking at him even on camera. 
after the game he was next to Tim Amani and um, you would might argue that it didn't look like a fellow that was playing in an Ireland semi-final he just stays so calm and takes it in the straight as I said um, he scored particularly in the first half maybe when we weren't firing he got four from play in that first half and his freeze and everything were brilliant and then coming down the stretch in the second period when we needed a score to settle who better than to see Patrick get in possession and clipping it over off his left um, again he was absolutely outstanding um, he's been brilliant for obviously for himself and you know to be associated with him in the Glen is absolutely brilliant um, and looking forward to seeing him only the team out in the other final in two weeks time uh, not many people outside of Cork gave Cork a chance today. Not many people outside of Cork will give Cork a chance in the All Ireland final. It's uh, an intriguing prospect ahead in two weeks' time. Yeah, it is. Um, I, yeah, I, I do think though anyone that was punting for Kilkenny leading into this game, I do think it was a very marginal vote, sixty forty, fifty five, forty five. I yeah. think people recognised that if Cork did run at the cats, um, you know, and fellas like Jack O'Connor and these guys put their head down that they would definitely trouble um, the Kilkenny defence and Cork couldn't have played the game better. The game plan went absolutely brilliant. So I would have thought that the the, the, the swing for Kilkenny in this one was marginal. It's probably stronger, it's probably more 70-30 um, going into the Ireland final. But look, Cork have shown in the past um, that they revel in those situations. We have a fantastic tradition. We have a great record in all our finals. Um, you know, and I think the likes of Patrick, Jamie Harry and these fellas you know, we'd be mad to make up for 2013. There was a game there for the taking and going down the stretch as well. There, only for Donald Donovan's score at the last minute to level it, Cock would be all Ireland champions. So this is the likes of Hoggy and, and Jamie Harrity's opportunity to get back up there again and, you know, t- turn the tables over. I give ourselves a great chance, but it's going to be very, very hard, Rory. That is a really, really exceptional Limerick team. Um, I suppose they're on the brink, if you want to call it greatness. Um, they've got some great players um, and they made life work of a very, very good Waterford team. So it's going to be a huge challenge, but... I'm sure Kieran will go back and the train tonight really, really happy and looking forward to settling back to work next week and, 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 and trying to get the game plan ready for, for the limit boys. Sean, go back to your own time as a player. How hard is it kind of to tune out everything now in the next two weeks in the build-up to an All-Ireland final and how hard is it going to be for this core team just kind of stay focused on the task at hand? Well, I suppose this All-Ireland final versus other years um, is, I suppose, different because the, you know the turnover is so quick. I suppose most teams are used to three and even four weeks of a build-up, you know, and you could nurse the injuries and everything else and, as I say, get back to training grounds and work on game plans. The turnover is going to be very fast. Cork will play three in a row, a break, and then another game. So, you know, it'll be a lot of games in a short period of time. So I suppose Cork will be, you know, both teams, both Cork and Limerick at this stage will have the same leading. So it'll be about momentum and, you know, just trying to get the ice packs on and getting the energy levels back up. Um, but look, it rather be there than not be there. If, even if the game was being played next week, I don't think Cork would have had a problem. It's just an, an absolutely magnificent achievement so far to get there. It was such a disappointing first-round defeat to Limerick. Um, we were lethargic. We didn't show the appetite like we showed today. And it goes to show that this Cork team has tremendous ability. Um, and if they all play to form, you know, we've got a great, great chance. Um, but to answer your question, it'll be a challenge, Rory, but it'll be the exact same for Limerick. So... Um, you know, it'll be just a great, I'm just worried and fearful and just dreading the clamour for tickets now the phone calls are going to start. <laughs> I say straight away, the text messages are already coming in, two Hogan's, I'm looking for two Q's like so. I'm not looking forward to the next two weeks to be honest with <laughs> Same here, Shawnee, same here. Mayor Shawnee, an absolute pleasure talking to you today, buddy. Great stuff. Thanks, Rory. Take care, uh, bye. Thanks, Shawnee. Uh, um, I'll be getting texts now from people I haven't heard from years gone. All right, kid. Um, haven't spoken in a while. Uh, listen. Looking for tickets there for the match. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just print some up there in my printing press. Um, I am over the moon, lads, after Cork's win today over Kilkenny. It was just a roller coaster. A roller coaster of a game. 
um, Cork seeing it out in the end in extra time and um, thanks in no, a small part to Jack O'Connor's goal as I mentioned Oshin Langan is up there for us uh, we're going to get for that uh, for react from the Cork camp in just a little bit um, at 5 o'clock I was on air doing the sport and Oshin Langan uh, was on doing a report when we were hoping it would be um, a Cork win uh, but that Kilkenny goal was just something else and this is how I described it and you can hear the, the, the upset in my voice We've got 50 seconds left for play and it's Cork 29 points Kilkenny 26 points Cork were struggling at the start of the second half but they brought in Shane Kingston and Alan Callaghan and boy has it done the trick Kingston has scored 5 points off the bench Callaghan has scored 2 Patrick Horgan about to take a 65 on the 65 to the right of centre Patrick Horgan hits it wide there's still 3 between them Kilkenny need a goal with about 25 seconds left Jack O'Connor unlucky not to get a goal for Cork earlier in the half when he forced a magnificent save out of Owen Murphy who pushed the ball against the woodwork Rory you might as well stay with me yeah. because there's only about 15 seconds left big high ball lofted into the square it's got by a cork hand yes. that surely is it it's hand passed out to Tim O'Mahony who takes it out of defence we've got 4 seconds left for play O'Mahony brings it up to the 45 he's got plenty of options one of them is Jack O'Connor he's dispossessed can Kenny have to go for it they drop it inside they have it in the square the shot comes it's a goal for Kenny oh. they level it up we're going to extra time it's Adrian Mullen the pull of a goal goal inside the square blast the pass Collins you could do nothing to stop it and now surely we're going to extra time Call 29 points Kilkenny 126 and the referee is blown for full oh. time and we will play another 20 minutes at least Rory it's back to you oh, thank you very much indeed Oshin oh my god what a game this has been I am not able no, I wasn't able either. That was the uh, the full time report at the end of seventy minutes. Um, I don't know how I got up for the last twenty minutes of uh, extra time. I'm the hero here, uh, let alone the players. I have no idea how I was able to watch that twenty minutes. I'm actually dra- I'm slightly delirious after that Cork performance. It was absolutely incredible, incredible stuff from the Rebels. We'll have more from Croke Park in a bit. Going to go back to Oshin, and uh, we are going to uh, get reaction from. Uh, the uh, Cork camp um, we're also on the show tonight going to talk to Olympic gold medalist Paul O'Donovan we'll speak to him a little bit later on uh, but for now we're going to turn our attention to boxing and uh, a fantastic and incredible and emotional morning this morning as Kelly Harrington won gold at the Olympics an incredible performance from her in the final today just becoming the third Irish boxer ever to win gold at an Olympic Games uh, she won the women's lightweight final overcoming Brazil's Beatrice Ferreira I was in floods of tears watching the, her win and her interviewing around the Vian and the the medal presentation um, I was on high afterwards as well couldn't sleep after setting the alarm for, for 10 to 6 um it's been quite quite a 12 hours here lads I have to tell you that but for more on Kelly's incredible win I spoke to Gavin Casey boxing correspondent with the 42.e Okay, for more on Kelly Harrington's incredible Olympic gold medal this morning I'm John Bear good friend Gavin Casey of the 42.e and Gavin um, how incredible was Kelly's performance this morning? Incredible enough that both of us shed a tear, Rory, yes, I believe. Yes, we I hope did. I'm not outing you. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, seriously emotional. And I was trying to put my finger on what, why Kelly has that effect on people. And I'm probably 
still not entirely certain of the answer. But if you go back to Katie Taylor when she won gold at London 2012, I think a lot of people had that same feeling. It's like this outpouring of emotion on our own behalves. But the difference there was Katie Taylor had this sort of destinal march towards a gold medal. She had won mm. world championships, European championships. She was, she was the best fighter by a distance at her division in the world. And there was a sense that she had to go over and take what was rightfully hers. Whereas Kelly Arnton was going over absolutely in the mix for medals and absolutely among the top fighters in the world. But it felt like the path was a lot more treacherous. And so it proved really when it, you, you look at the semi-final and final that she overcame. But I think what resonates with people about Kelly is the fact that she comes across as such a normal human being. Whereas when we're um, looking at elite athletes, usually they are so different to the rest of us. And mm. generally speaking, I mean, listen, we've, we've got Cork and Kilkenny today, like a few players after the game might be interviewed, the managers, they're not going to say much. And there's this sort of feeling of um, being removed from society in some ways when you're looking at guys on, on the field like that, whereas Kelly wears a heart in her sleeve and it's like a, some kind of representation of us going out there and living her own Olympic dream. Obviously, the big difference is that none of us could be humanly capable of doing what she has done. And it's remarkable. I'm absolutely made up for her and for all of the people who have helped her along the way as well. But she has been very much the, um, I suppose, the person who pulled herself up by the bootstraps and got it done ultimately. The fight today, Gavin, I mean, like the first round, um, Beatrice Freire came out very, very strong. Harrington boxing off the back foot, which he likes to do anyway. But Freire came out like a train and Harrington just kind of kept her at arm's reach. I know Freire won that first round, but uh, Harrington just had to weather the storm in the opening three minutes. Yeah, and I think... It was almost a microcosm of how Harrington tends to start tournaments in a way. She sort of feels her way into like the quarterfinal, semifinal stages, generally speaking, and might look a tiny bit rusty to begin with. Sometimes she can be like that in fights as well. She feels her way into it. I think what she did very well in the first round, and it probably proved itself in the second round, was that she kind of planted enough seeds of doubt in Ferreira, um, who was pretty much accustomed to bulldozing her opponents to that point. Suddenly she realised she's actually in against probably, a, well, certainly a taller and longer opponent, but probably a slightly naturally larger opponent as well. And she wasn't going to be able to necessarily bully her the way she even managed to bully Mira Pakonen, who's a brilliant, legendary amateur really at this point from Finland, in her own semi-final. And I suppose Harrington, I mean, you can, the boxers can see the scores at the end of every round. So mm. Harrington sees that she's lost the first one 3-2 and it's, and it is an uphill battle from there, but it's not insurmountable by any stretch of the imagination. And I'd imagine she probably had a glint in her eye once she saw that some of that work was rewarded by two of the judges in the first round. And so she goes and builds on that in the second sort of probably takes the initiative a little bit more in the first round. It felt like Ferreira was kind of the leader. And as you say, Harrington was happy to box off the back foot and sort of respond, counter. Second round, she kind of um, takes the lead, so to, so to speak, and starts to punish Ferreira a little bit. It's probably one, like, to be honest, Rory, it's maybe one of the best rounds, maybe the yeah. best round I've ever seen from an Irish boxer in the Olympics. Uh, you think back to John Joe Nevin and, and his run in 2012, it was pretty biblical as well, but that was just the most comprehensive uh, beating of a fighter on or, or above your level on paper mm. that I've ever seen from an Irish fighter and um, we knew then what she had to do in the third and it was literally a case of convince one of two judges that she had done enough to, to win that last round in the end she convinced them all and it's a unanimous decision victory five zip against a fighter who hadn't dropped around 
on our way to the final and that will tell you how good a performance it was yeah it was sensational what was going through your head though when you were waiting for the result I know Hugh Cahill kind of announced a couple of seconds earlier that she'd won it but I still didn't quite believe it until I heard the official announcement I was wondering once I heard unanimous decision would Hugh cop onto it he's actually been pretty good for that yeah. uh, during the tournament it, it, basically the way the maths worked or the scores worked uh, if it was unanimous the only way the only winner could have been Harrington so once they said unanimous Hugh got a bit excited right <laughs> and I suppose he was probably anticipating that they're going to announce the result pretty much straight afterwards yeah. but then there's this like inexorable pause between Hugh prematurely announcing the winner and the actual confirmation but I actually quite liked it because it allowed me to build the anticipation of the confirmation in my head and I was pretty comfortable with uh, the reality or the likelihood that, that Harrington had got it but I have to say I suppose rather than just the lead up to the uh, verdict itself that third round had me on edge probably more so than any round of <laughs> watched the boxing where I because in fairness to Ferreira like I, I do think Harrington won the round but you could also see that Harrington was tiring a small bit towards the end of it understandably under enormous pressure as Ferreira tried to force it I mean she knew she was playing catch up at that point and we've seen how dangerous she is like I think if she goes pro which is possible if I was a professional boxing promoter I'd be certainly looking at her she's probably going to start starting women like on the way up to, to world title level so um, yeah heart and mouth stuff there but Harrington did do you know what Harrington did what she always does which is weather the storm we actually saw her doing a qualification as well against uh, a ferocious French woman called Maiva Hamadouche who is the IBF professional world champion probably the hardest puncher in women's professional boxing pound for pound and Harrington had a similar-ish performance in that she sort of diffused the bomb to begin with and then rolled it out towards uh, the end and she has the savvy and the notes um, to pull it off. I was surprised by how comprehensively she pulled it off against mm. a legitimately great opponent. But again, that puts into context just how good she is. And uh, look, when you look at it, she is one of two fighters now, two Irish boxers ever to have won European, World and Olympic gold, the other being Katie Taylor. And if that doesn't put her in the pantheon of all-time uh, great Irish sports people, I don't know what will. I remember uh, um, being a kid I was nine years of age when Michael Crute won gold in 1992 and the effect that had on me it sparked a lifelong love of boxing for a start but what's Harrington's victory going to do for the next generation coming up? Same thing I suppose Rory I, I know people make a big deal after these events or these victories of the effect it will have on the next generation and sometimes it almost strays into cliche territory or mm. that's the way it feels but the reality is like it will have a massive effect and it will inspire people suppose I was going to say it will inspire girls like it, it'll obviously inspire uh, boys and girls right but the great thing is when a female athlete achieves something like this it, it you'd imagine it will involve more girls in sport at underage and particularly in boxing in this case but to be honest, boxing has been doing so well, Irish boxing at least, producing female uh, competitors over the last few years. I'm not even sure if there is a massive discrepancy there anymore in terms of participation at youth level. But how could you not watch uh, Harrington, the emotion of it, mm. the, the very conspicuous glory of it, but equally the pictures afterwards, her family, her neighbourhood, uh, rushing to the family home and the celebrations. If you're a child watching that... I'm sure uh, <laughs> you'd want a piece of it somewhere down the line, wouldn't you? And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Be like, I think Harrington is an inspiring kind of character, anyway. But I think also what will happen now is she'll become one of the prominent sports people on this island, really. And 
for young kids to have seen what she did this morning or maybe they watch it on replay later and for her to be just a known name um, will do its own talking in the end because people are going to try and emulate her. It's three years to Paris. Does she go again or does she turn pro, do you think? I think it'll depend on what kind of offers are put on the table, if any. Now, I'd imagine there will be significant offers put on the table. You'd be mental not to try and lure her into the pros. But she's so marketable as a personality. Um, and it's weird. <laughs> it feels sort of cynical to speak of an Olympian so soon after winning Olympic gold in these kind of commercial mm-hmm. terms, but she would bring in an awful lot to anybody's professional stable and to the professional game. If I was Eddie Hearn, who obviously promotes Katie Taylor, I'd certainly be looking to do a bit of business with her. Could you conceivably see an all-Irish world title fight down the line? Ooh. It would depend on how well Harrington would acclimatise or how quickly Harrington would acclimatise to 10 two-minute rounds rather than the 3 by 3 that she's doing at the moment that has been doing for But, you know, there are shrewd businessmen running the professional game who would look at that as a massive opportunity. Equally, people who aren't Eddie Hearn, maybe even rival promoters, might look at Harrington and think, well, this is a... This is a pathway towards a Katie Taylor fight for for me, you know, mm. from from the other promoter's point of view. So um, I've asked Kelly this plenty of times over recent years. What's the story after Tokyo? Do you reckon you'd go pro? And probably back 2017, 2018, the answer was pretty much no. And like the idea was that if there was some sort of astronomical offer, four fights, five fights, she could potentially be tempted. I probably more recently have gotten the vibe that she would be half interested. Uh, what's fascinating about Har- Harrington is that she doesn't really watch boxing or she doesn't really watch professional boxing. Yeah. So it would be a whole new world in a way. But to answer your question, what does she do? I'd be surprised if she go- if she's around for Paris one way or the other. I think it's going to be difficult to top this. This has been the culmination of a very long journey. She is 31 and there is a very talented crop of, of fighters coming up beneath her, including Amy Broadhurst who is probably world-class in her own right and is in a similar dilemma now to the one in which Harrington was sort of circa 2015, where you've got this Olympic champion and uh, national sporting figure ahead of you. So um, if the money was right, I could see her going pro, yeah. And I wouldn't entirely rule out the pipe dream of uh, Katie Taylor, Kelly Harrington fight that never materialised in the amateurs, but will make both of them and a lot of other people plenty of money. And listen, they would generate plenty of excitement here and, and further afield as well although I have to say personally I'd kind of hate to see it <laughs> yeah. you know I just don't you want can't pick a side. I don't want the, yeah I don't want to, I don't want their legacies to be intertwined necessarily or yeah. to affect the other I think the way it's played out for both of them is pretty perfect so I wouldn't like to see that disturbed and Gavin I suppose um, overall looking bigger picture stuff there's going to be a lot of discussion about like funding of boxing clubs and maybe RT's coverage lack thereof of boxing over the last number of years and that's going to be brought back into the spotlight now well, you'd hope so. I suppose the funding of clubs has been an issue that's rumbled on for many a year at this stage, and it just feels like every year you hear of God five, six stories at least of clubs up and down the country either losing their premises or shutting their doors permanently because they can't afford to stay running. And listen, these are clubs that play host to the next Kelly Harrington and uh, that's a reality of it that's how boxing works in this country people will be aware obviously that Harrington and say Aidan Walsh who won bronze and the entire boxing team at Tokyo will uh, will be part of a high performance unit up in Dublin but how many times have we heard Kelly Harrington credit her 
uh, coach at home in mm. St. Mary's Boxing Club, Noel Burke, throughout the tournament. Like the the kind of the skills, I guess, are, are cultivated in these gyms and they're sharpened then at the high performance unit is the idea. But these clubs are the lifeblood of the sport. They're absolutely vital to uh, the sport thriving in future. And for us to continue to meddle at Olympics, we need to keep their doors open ultimately. And I hope that politicians around the country uh, are put under pressure to actually do that um, because they, they do continuously fail from what I see to probably give the same level of attention to boxing clubs as they do to other sporting organisations and facilities. It does tend to be um, perceived as a black sheep of sport and mm. it doesn't seem to be a problem when boxing clubs close. Maybe you could argue on the professional side of things, it's, it's given itself a bit of a black eye and a bit of a reputational um, or a tarnished reputation in recent years. But in relation to coverage then, listen, I suppose the... Um, it has been a frustration among boxing people that you can use these athletes for colour, if you like, and, and speak about these great characters and personalities when you give them almost no attention in the four, or in this case, five years yeah. uh, in advance of an Olympic Games. And it's difficult to see a reality in which RTE would continue to snub, say, the national championships if the likes of Harrington were involved. And she will be, because as I mentioned, Broadhurst will be champing at the bit now, looking to overthrow her. How could you ignore that championship if you've got Olympic gold medals competing in it? I, I, well, look, I suppose I've been surprised before, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's difficult to make the case that you'd, that you'd stay out of it, you know? Um, we know realistically that with RTE, like, the League of Ireland would have a similar gripe at the moment yeah. like they're committed to showing a certain number of games but with the Olympics going on for example now it'll be a few months basically I think between games and there isn't an infinite uh, pool of money there either but you know to set up an outside broadcast and uh, get I don't know Eric Donovan Ken Egan um, whoever uh, in the national stadium for, for championships I think it's something they should be looking at if I could mm. put it that way I'd be watching it anyway. <laughs> I think we all would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gav, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for talking to us today. Cheers, Roy. All the best. Always a pleasure talking to Gavin Casey of the 42.ie about boxing, about anything, basically. Really like, uh, enjoying, uh, enjoy uh, chatting to Gavin. We still have a lot to cover over the next half hour. So coming up, we have reaction from Croke Park from the Victoria's Core Camp. Uh, we'll hear from Kilkenny boss Brian Cody. We're going to talk to Olympic gold medalist Paula Donovan up next. We're talking to Tomas Larry about the Lions. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. <laughs> Corks Red FM. Delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench this evening. Delighted to join our old friend Tomas O'Leary on the line now. Tomas, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic after watching uh, th- that unfold in Crow Park today. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? I was going to say, in your capacity as an All Ireland minor winning core captain, that was an incredible game of hurling today, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot easier to talk about than the Lane series, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, maybe the Lanes could have sprung uh, Shane Kingston from the bench or something like that, might have had a, had a better chance, but look, oh. Uh, great teams up in, in Co Park and look, hopefully now we've a uh, great shot had uh, a topping Limerick. Um, I think, look, we saw three, four years ago when we probably should have beaten them in a semi-final. So I think they might be a bit wary of us um, and look, the speed and the and, and, and the ability coming off the bench was, was frightening. So yeah, look, 
I'm buzzing after that. Yeah, I'm the same as well. Because I mean, like when that Kilkenny goal goes in right in the stroke of full time, you're thinking, oh, it's we've left behind us. Kilkenny are going to win this in extra time. But just the the resolve and the determination from that Cork team in extra time was something else. Yeah, like just it felt like a soccer punch, and you know, I haven't thrown away a five point lead in normal time. Um, you're kind of worried uh, for a little bit, but look, once. They get, they get out there again in, in extra time, you know, even, even Patrick Harden missing another free, but then, you know, they um, they kind of really, really settled and, you know, I suppose, uh, thankfully, uh, you know, the goal was, was, was unbelievable and, look, the, you know, the likes of Shane Kingston again, um, but like even Rob Downey had full back there in, in extra time, um, he was unbelievable too mm. and, oh, geez, they were they were all brilliant, like, so, yeah, look, to, to recover, go again and can exert uh, their dominance over Kilkenny was, I suppose, showed a, uh, where this team is at and you know how they've grown as a team like and I suppose you you probably go back to that Limerick game three years ago an extra time and you know you had Harnady and a few lads playing on injured yeah. um, whereas today you were able to, to spring the bench and um, you know um, the, the influence they had as a bench really kind of won the game for Cork so yeah look hopefully two weeks time um it's kind of mouth-watering, isn't it? And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see someone beat Limerick anyway. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm ready to be perfectly honest about it. But um, nobody outside of Cork will give us a chance going into that final. That's just the way Cork will like it. Are you looking for any fellow putting it from the big red bench to, to come up the You're looking for yeah? tickets already, are you? <laughs> Surely there'll be a few in the press box for us, will there? We'll see what we, strings we can pull for a legend like you, Tomas. <laughs> yeah, look, it'll be class. No, I, I, geez, I've, I've big hopes for us now and... Uh, you know, I was chatting to Mills for a couple of weeks ago, and, and he really fancied Cork to, to win the All Ireland. So, um, look, um, we're, we're as good a chance now as anyone. Looking with the, the wide, I suppose, expanse of the Crow Park, and you know the confidence in this Cork team, um, you'd, you'd have to give us a shout, definitely. Yeah, I cannot wait two weeks' time for that one. All right, in your capacity as one of the greatest scrum house Ireland has ever produced, uh, we'll talk with the Lions. Um, did they throw that in the uh, throw that away in the end yesterday? Yeah, they had a great chance to, to win it. Like, and look, I suppose again, it was reflective of the, the series overall. It's very dull, um, and it was, it was a tough watch. Even the three games, look, I suppose they were intriguing in some aspects, but um, it was a, a lot of it was just down to physicality and, and defence dominating, and a lot of kick chase. Um, I suppose you have to highlight the, the opportunity um, that Liam Williams had to, to put Josh Adams away with a simple two-on-one, and then conversely. I suppose the South Africans had a half chance, just got the ball in, in Colby's hands and, you know, he beat two two players to, to score in the corner. So that kind of summed it up, you know, in a, in a microcosm, that was the difference, you know. The, when South Africa got a chance, you know, they had lethal players like Colby to, to finish it. Uh, and the Lions, unfortunately, didn't take take their chances. But uh, overall, it was kind of a, a, a dull series. And look, I suppose it was kind of... Uh, you know, highlighted then there's no fans involved, the players are stuck in their hotel, they're not going out meeting people, having the crack, having a few beers. They, there's a big divide between mm. the midweek team and, and, and the test team. So whereas, you know, lads previously, you know, if you weren't playing test rugby, they used to play a midweek game and you'd feel more involved. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of a disappointing tour um, you know, from a fan's point of view. And look, the Lions definitely had an opportunity to win it, but you have to say maybe that the South Africans were just a bit more clinical uh, and look, obviously the dominance they had in the second test, um, and, and the Lions, uh, you know, had a chance, you know, and geez, more or time kicking, mm. kicking the winning penalty, whatever. What is it, twelve years on? Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a mad story, really. But yeah, I just. Lions had a chance to win it but unfortunately weren't, weren't clinical enough Yeah they turned their noses up at uh, three penalties yesterday which kind of raised eyebrows but I, they obviously thought they could uh, take their chances in the corner 
Yeah, I suppose, look, they, they, they did get dividends from going to the corner early on and, um, you know, I suppose Ken Owens try, um, so they, they kind of felt that maybe they had that, that, that bit of dominance or that ability to get over the line when, when they did get their mall going. But, you know, given how tight the, the, the series was and, you know, every three points seemed to be, you know, earned or, or very well earned and, you know, so kick, taking their three points, probably look at hindsight is, is, is obviously it's very easy to say they should have taken three points um, probably the fact that they did get over with Ken Owens try at the start that maybe just you know gave them a bit of uh, confidence in, the, in their mall but yeah looking looking back and, and you think you know even before the game you're, you're definitely talking about taking three six nine and you know really keeping pressure on the South Africans because you know bar that bit of brilliance from from Colby you know they they, they weren't looking too, too uh, I suppose, expansive or too, uh, too dangerous an attack either. So, um, yeah, you would have thought that, you know, three points uh, and get, keeping the, the cover ticking over and getting your nose in front would have been, would have been the wise thing to do. As you mentioned to us, it's kind of been a very strange series and that was kind of epitomised last week at Razi Erasmus and his leaked uh, video criticising the referee and details of his burner Twitter accounts. Um, what did you make of um, yeah. Erasmus's antics off the field? Yeah, very, very strange. Um, I would have come, come across him, obviously, when I was at Munster, and probably the most ruthless individual I've ever come across in rugby. <laughs> and, look, he'll do anything to win. And uh, that's basically what he did. But he put all the pressure, um, I suppose, on himself, but on the referees, more importantly. And, look, a lot of talk about the spirit of the game. And, you know, referees in particular, in rugby, it's it's so many grey areas. And if you could call a... You could call it, I suppose, a, a penalty at every rock, essentially. Um, so, look, there's a lot of pressure on referees, and look, obviously, he enhanced that. Um, and I, I thought it was, went against the spirit of the game. So, but look, from his point of view, he took all the pressure off the players. Um, they went on to win the, the, the final two tests. So, a job done for him. But I definitely think there should be some kind of a penalty uh, going his way because um, mm. it looks, you know, that kind of carry on, or uh, it's just. It, it, it just doesn't sit well you know every if, every team who uh, loses a game comes out and questions every decision you know it's going to be going to be a bad place for, for rugby um, a bad place to support whatever sport it is so yeah I, I didn't like it but um, look from his point of view he won't care the line or, so the South Africans have uh, won a World Cup mm-hmm. and they've won a, a line series now so look he'll be a happy man uh, when he sits back and, and, and puts the feet up over the next few weeks and uh, Warren Gatland afterwards saying look he's not thought about his future he hasn't got any long term plans this was his fourth tour three as head coach but you can't imagine he'd go against Moss would you? I'd be very surprised and I think it's probably time for a change um, you know add some kind of new life into it a coach with new ideas um, yeah look I think he's had his fair share uh, you know uh, of you know have the reins over over the lines and look he's obviously done very very well but um, I suppose look he's kind of probably set out to to counter South Africa by picking a really really physical uh, touring party you know like leading the likes of Gary Ringrose at home 13 who's a fantastic attacking player uh, and you know I suppose um, setting out your stall by leaving Dan Bigger as, as, as your starting 10 look he's a good, good solid 10 but look three passes in the second test so that kind of illustrates where his head was at and, and the game plan. And look, he's probably dictated that by, by the fact that South African defence is so aggressive and there's, I suppose, spaces at a premium. But, um, you know, you'd hope that the next line story, a different coach will, will get the reins and maybe kind of re-establish the kind of attacking brand and the, I suppose, the ambitious brand of, of Lions Rugby that, that fans want to see and that, I suppose, that makes it such an attractive uh, proposition every four years. 
All right, Tomas, thanks for talking. We'll work on getting you that All-Ireland final ticket. We'll see you in Crocker, Rory. Come on. <laughs> thanks, buddy. That's Tomas Larry talking to us there about uh, the Lions and indeed uh, that court performance today, which I am still absolutely raving about. We are going to go to Croke Park now because Oshin Langan has caught up with uh, Cork coach Dermot The Rock O'Sullivan um, after uh, today's just incredible win over Kilkenny. Dermot O'Sullivan, part of the Cork management team. How do you feel right now? Ah, pleased. Um, you know, our objective was come up to try and qualify for an All Ireland final. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. So look, we're pleased. We're pleased with our performance. We're pleased with our win. What were you thinking when Mullen got that goal? Were you thinking, God, have we blown this, or what was going through your mind? Yeah, look, I suppose we'd gone six up. They'd gone six up. You know, it was it was a game incredible. You know, from both sets, both sets of players. The effort, the commitment, the scoring, the, the physicality, everything you would expect with a Carton Kilkenny game was laid was laid bare um, to everyone there over the last what, 90 minutes plus. Um, they had their swing, we had our swing, but I think great credit due to our lads, they showed fierce resolve. That could have finished us, you know, um, that goal at the death. A lot of teams could come out and just crumble, but, you know, I think we. we We've been asking this team to be different and show character, um, and I think we got different for, for the last 20 minutes. Did you show physical strength today as well as speed and as well as skill? Is that something that you showed today that perhaps wasn't there the last couple of years? Is that the difference? Is it a difference um, when you say physical? We were definitely physically fitter. Yeah. Um, in the physical contest at times, Kilkenny were stronger than us. But look, I think what was key for us was the key to... When, when the game opened up to move the ball away from the exchanges as fast as we could and use our legs Shane Kingston came off the bench made a huge in, impact Alan Cadigan the same yeah but that was, that's, that's why we were subs that's why we that's what we expect um, you know we, we have 11 other guys at home as well who are, who are very very disappointed didn't get an opportunity to come to train today so look yeah, we, we take it for what it's worth. Um, it worked today. It's not necessarily going to work the next day. And uh, Dermot, the pace of Cork, we heard all about it. At the end of the day, it was the decisive factor in that game. Yeah, Nicky, let's be honest. Um, you know, we're comfortable on the ball. We're comfortable runners with the ball. There's, you know, there's, there's no hiding away from it. We can't hide what we have. You know, it, it was, again, it was like the game it was laid bare in front of everyone today and the second biggest day of the year. So, look, we're delighted that, that it shone through at times. Kilkenny stifled us. They made it very, very hard for us, for our runners, to break the tackles. But, you know, we stuck with it. And there was great perseverance and, um, you know, calmness about our lads when we're finding them, ourselves in them situations. So, very pleasing. And finally, it's Limerick in the All-Ireland final. You must be really looking forward to that. It's, it's going to be some challenge, some game. Look, if you're to look at everyone over the last couple of days and the last 24 hours, Kilkenny's name is etched in the trophy, so, or Limerick's name is etched in the trophy, so we're coming up to make up the numbers, you know? Will that be a motivator? Will that be a driving force, the fact that Limerick is so hotly fancied? Absolutely not. We'll, we'll go about our own business quietly. That's Dermot The Rock O'Sullivan there saying what basically everyone in the country is thinking our Cork have no chance going up to the All-Ireland final now against Limerick and that is just the way we will like it it has been an incredible day an emotional day a draining day after that win over Kilkenny after extra time in the All-Ireland semi-final absolutely sensational stuff from the Rebels but um, Oshin got a chance to speak very briefly to a massively disappointed Brian Cody Brian Cody, Kilkenny manager, hard luck today, but your team gave it absolutely everything. Yeah, for sure they did, yeah. Like, um, obviously brought it to extra time and could have been gone in normal time, but kept fighting and brought it to extra time. And unfortunately, um, we didn't, it didn't, we didn't finish off the job. 
What was the difference in the end? Uh, goals. Goals make a difference in the end. Our goal brought us back into the game. Then their goal gave them that bit of breathing space, a bit of freedom to move the ball around with confidence and to keep tapping over the pines that kept that, um, that gap between us. Hard luck today. Yeah, Brian Cody, not really in much of uh, a mood to talk, as you could well understand um, following the, that, that defeat uh, to Cork. But um, Limerick, all Ireland final. Two weeks' time, hopefully in 14 days, um, I will be unable to speak because Cork are all Ireland champions. I can barely speak today um, after Cork <laughs> progressed to the all Ireland final. Um, absolutely, just look, it's magic stuff, and I'm, I'm struggling to gather my words and thoughts and. And all that, but look, it's going to be a fun two weeks. Enjoy it, Rolls fans. Embrace it. Um, it's just been an incredible day of sport. It's been an incredible couple of weeks of sport, um, especially from a Cork perspective. Um, Cork claiming gold in the rowing. Paula Donovan, Fintan McCarthy. Absolutely sensational stuff uh, from them um, over in Tokyo. Um, I got a chance to speak to Paula Donovan earlier on in the week um, with thanks to FPD Insurance and look, um, Paul was absolutely over the moon um, laid back as usual but uh, you can tell how absolutely delighted he is to be coming home to Skibreen as an Olympic gold medalist Paul, how are you, boy? I'm good, Rory How are you, Gideon? It's good to see you again, man um, Come here, it must have been a, a hectic week for you Have you uh, come down to earth a little bit yet? Um, I, yeah, I know you'll be back at earth, alright just, uh, I think, very happy to be home now because we've been away so much during the summer. It's good, uh, good to be back here. Like, it's a great place to be, uh, especially in the summer months. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think the COVID's probably helped us a little bit as well. It kind of keeps things quieter, it keeps the crowd smaller and stuff. So that's, uh, that's been nice too. Yeah, I was going to say, I suppose that the homecoming celebrations must have been a little bit different this time around, a lot more tame, but probably uh, still as appreciated as always down in Skibbereen. Ah, uh, yeah, I know it is like like you say, like the the crowd, the crowd now be be much smaller, only a handful of friends and family. But that's not nice as well because they're the the ones that you kind of like like to talk the most, uh, especially initially when when you're coming back, like uh, which are maybe now if if things start to, to look better on the COVID front in. October or November so they might have a big mm. celebration again like yeah <laughs> we spoke to Violet Hayes on the show last week and she was saying that Skibreen has just gone rowing mental it's just like the, the centre of rowing if not in Europe then the world she said I'd say it must be yeah well, around the town anyway, there's loads of posters and banners and flags and and the rowing club yeah, had an old pop-up shop it's still going where you can buy t-shirts and socks and woolly hats and you know, all this type of thing so everyone's really getting into the spirit of the rowing down there so it's uh, it's brilliant yeah. and everyone, everyone's happy and in a good mood and just uh, they say it's giving them a real boost now so it's all it's all good for sure And for you Paul I mean like has it sunk in yet that you're an Olympic gold medalist? Uh, not really no like I don't I don't know what's there to, to do the sinking in you know Um I think we're just happy that uh, I just we like you would be happy obviously after winning you know yeah. um, but I think uh, there's only so much time you can you can be thinking about it like and you have to get on with normal life as well and like that's really exciting too I think just ordinary life so uh, you don't want to, to, to spend uh, all your days thinking about it yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like for you personally, Paul, heading over there, how much pressure were you under? Did you feel the pressure and the weight of expectation uh, on on yourself and Finton? Uh, not at all. No, like I don't think there's any any huge amount of pressure. Like, and people would be saying this, like you'd be 
you'd be favourites and stuff but uh, it's like I don't care what other people think about me, you know, whether and, and if they if they're happy or not if I'm winning races, like that's a nice kind of secondary effect. Like if you can win and give people a boost, like that's that's good. Like, but it's not it's not why we got into the sport and why we're doing it. We're just kind of there to to do the best that we can, um, and that's that's the main thing. So, like, I think with an attitude like that, then you don't care care so much about pressure and, and all that kind of nonsense. Um, I suppose with yourself and Finton, I mean, like the typical Irish thing of going off to an event like this is the Irish are the underdogs heading into an event like this. But you guys were going over there to prove you were the best in the world, and so you have. It's kind of a nice turnaround to, for the Irish to be like we are the best in the world at something. It is good for sure, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we could be the best in the world at a, at a whole lot of things. And um, with Kelly Harrington now coming up there in the boxing, and, and she she's in with a good shout of of winning the gold medal. Um, I think credit to FBD as well for for realizing it like that. Um, they've been the principal sponsor of Team Ireland now since 2018. Uh, they've done a lot of things and Joe supported uh, myself there on the journey and and a lot of the, the younger athletes as well. They've kind of run a program to to help uh, help out some some of those guys and I think we saw that then as well that we had uh, Team Ireland's biggest team ever at an Olympic Games, about 116 athletes or so. So um, I think Joe uh, definitely sport is, is is looking up in this country and uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and uh, Kelly going for all as you mentioned there uh, on Sunday, what advice would you have for her, uh, I suppose, heading into that? Oh, I don't know, could I give her much advice now? She kind of, <laughs> I think you know what she's doing. She's She's got a good cool head in her like and, and has the skills and everything. So yeah, I think just uh, so long as she, she enjoys it then and, and whatever way the result goes, uh, she's done everyone proud. Like, so, mm. nice to meet you. Just on um, your final race itself, Paul, um, when you saw the Germans t- heading out into the lead, um, what, was, what, was it, what was going through your head? Were you worried at all? No, not, not a lot. Uh, going through the head, uh, I think Joff, to start there, we knew that the Germans would be out quicker than us and the Italians as well. Um but we know as well ourselves that we're very fit and we, we like to come through in the middle of the race and and that we did. Um and then I think I suppose will we I suppose you never know truly what form the Germans and, and the others are going to be in, but we knew that they had been really targeting the third five hundred this past year and that would be where they were strong. So if we could hold with them for that, we know that we always have a, a big sprint at the end. Um, and then I suppose it did. It, yeah, I suppose we're lucky. Then it did. It did work out like that, and we we pulled away a little bit then in the last few hundred. So that was it was quite nice. It certainly was indeed. I mean, like tactically during the race. I mean, like do you make any like minor switches or major switches when you see a crew like that head up into a big lead? Oh no, nothing major. Like we kind of talked through the the different uh, situations in our head, like how far they could be ahead or if we were ahead. But um, really, we're not going to change too much because our own race plan is to just go from the start to the finish as fast as we can. Um, and so there's no point panicking then in the race because someone is farther ahead that that you try and do something different because it's. We're, we're still focused on, on getting to the finish line as, as fast as possible so uh, you just have to, to stick to that really Paul can you talk to me I suppose about the work that Gary's done with you behind the scenes and pushing yourself and Finton to this gold medal yeah yeah absolutely so um, well, there's been a, a couple of us there now this past year that, um, 
Well, there's Joe Finton's brother Jake as well he's been training out there but unfortunately last summer he got a back injury uh, so he never never fully made it back then into the to to give a real shot at it uh, bros it was myself Gary and Finton were, were training away throughout most of the year and we did trials in March and myself and Finton uh, came out to be the quickest combination uh, but Gary then was training with us then all the while and, and did the regattas and he flew out to Japan then uh, just to act as the, the reserve in case mm-hmm. uh, anything would have happened to myself or Finton but unfortunately it didn't um, I swear, like it's a tough tough situation for Gary to be in like it's hard to, hard to take you know you're in the boat uh, a couple of years ago and uh, then then a younger guy comes comes and, and beats you out which uh, I show credit to Finton for, for being able to do that because Gary's a very good athlete as well um, but I suppose and, and like that he, Gary will be disappointed Joe is obviously very happy for us but I think just Joe dealing with a, a disappointment like that and, and carrying on then and, and acting as a reserve will will kind of stand to him later in life that he won't be able to deal with the, the difficulties because life is not all all uh, smooth sailing you know so it, it's a good even though it's not a nice experience it's it's a good one for him all the same I think for, for later on and Paul just to wrap up I suppose just a word on the women's four and that incredible achievement and that bronze medal uh, phenomenal stuff yeah I think uh, Joe they were on the, the day before us so uh, it was great to see them them take that and uh, Joe first for women's rowing uh, we have a really strong women's team and geez if you see the, the effort they've been making in training now the past uh couple of years like the, it came as no surprise to us really that they were they were up there picking up the medals and um, I think Jordan's a lot of them are really excited about pushing on for Paris as well so hopefully they can they can do better in the years to come Excellent Paul been a pleasure talking to you today congratulations again from all of us at Red FM Thanks Rory appreciate it Yeah an absolute pleasure talking to Olympic gold medalist Paul O'Donovan gold for Cork gold for Ireland Kelly Harrington adding the second gold for Ireland this morning. Um, it's been just an incredible Olympic Games. Uh, we'll be wrapping it up on the Big Red Bench uh, next weekend as well. Look, it's just... it's It's been an incredible sporting day. Um, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm finding it hard to, to, to put it into words, but getting up at 10 to 6 this morning to watch Kelly Harrington win gold. Um, being nervous then all day um, once the... Um, once the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Once the pride, I suppose, once the, the excitement of Kelly Harden's goal went away, being nervous all day heading into this Carton Kilkenny game, being absolutely drained for 70 minutes of normal time and 20 minutes of extra time for Cork to book their place in the All-Ireland final for the first time since 2013. It has been a day and a half. It's been absolutely incredible stuff and uh, I can't remember a day like it, uh, to be perfectly honest about it. Um, we're just going to wrap up very very briefly um, Cove Ramblers drawing with Athlone Town last night uh, finished scoreless uh, this is uh, Ramblers boss Darren Murphy yeah like look nil all draw um, you know I suppose the performance for me was the main thing I suppose we were, we were really good I, I thought second half first half started a bit sluggish I think both teams it was just that kind of game pitch was a bit sticky but I think second half look we we said to the lads like you know work hard empty your tanks you know keep getting at them and stuff and they did so like you know that's all we can ask them yeah 
The Big Red Bench on Cork, Shred FM, and that is Darren Murphy, the co-Ramblers manager, speaking to uh, us last night after uh, the uh, Nil Ultra um, at St. Cummins Park. These start uh, to him, or to uh, for Darren Murphy in his co-Ramblers campaign. Right, on the Big Red Bench Twitter, I asked um, everyone to sum up in one word um, the Cork performance today. Cork beating Kilkenny. If you haven't mentioned, I might have mentioned it, uh, or if you haven't heard, I might have mentioned it a couple of times. Slightly over the moon about it. So, some people's one word summaries of uh, Cork's win over Kilkenny. Corkness is a familiar one and a popular one. Thanks to three Red Kings from that one. Character, resilience, breathless, top, abundant, unreal, deserved, magnificent, teamwork, heart, mighty, help. <laughs> roller coaster, hungry, downy, yeah, good shout, ecstatic, sweet, miracle, determination, uh, nerve shredding. Uh, we'll let you lay off of that one. And someone has posted in disaster. I assume that's uh, a Kilkenny fan um, tweaking into the big red bench. But guys, it's been a day and a half. Thank you very much for listening uh, to me ramble on and incoherently over the last hour about Cork's fantastic performance today. We'll be building up to this game over the next two weeks as Cork prepared to face Limerick in the All Ireland final in uh, Croke Park on the 22nd of August it is going to be a game and a half all the best reaction uh, on build up I should say coming up on the big red bench uh, over the next couple of weeks um, that is it from us our podcast will be online shortly this was a packed show if you missed any of it you can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts from thank you very much indeed for listening to us folks we're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Coleman and Saturday I'll be back in on Sunday and uh, yeah follow us on Twitter at big red bench enjoy the rest of your Sunday folks celebrate if you're a rebel tonight, I'll talk to you later. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Corks Red FM.